Welcome to the IT Career Energizer podcast. For anyone who wants to build and grow a career in IT, develop and improve your strengths and skills, be inspired and motivated by the successes of others, manage your career progression, and achieve your IT career goals. And now, your host, Phil Burgess. Hi, Phil here, and welcome to episode 66 of the IT Career Energizer podcast. My guest on today's show is Sean Rakowski. Sean is a seasoned software developer with Goldview Technologies out of Brainerd, Minnesota, where he specializes in delivering full-stack .NET solutions. Sean is also a husband, father, conference speaker, blogger, former podcaster, aspiring entrepreneur, and game dev hobbyist. So Sean, can I ask you to expand on that brief bio and tell us a little bit more about yourself? Thanks for having me, Phil. As it said, I'm a husband and a father. I've got uh, two wonderful children. Uh, one's one and one is five, a girl and a boy. They're just great to have and, and uh, I love them very much. I also have two dogs, a golden retriever mix and a French bulldog. And um, they're very, very fun to have. I've been a software developer for about a decade now, working in e-commerce development solutions right now, but uh, historically working for um, a distributor and some other things. So uh, just run-of-the-mill type software development stuff. Uh, as I mentioned, I'm a, I'm a game dev a hobbyist. would say I'm also a game jam enthusiast to an certain extent. So I've put that as a bit of a focus in recent years doing some conference speaking on on game dev related topics and stuff like that. So yeah, it sounds like you've got pretty much a full life what with young children and pets and and your career. It sounds like you got your hands full. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a lot. Um like I said I've recently gotten a lot into the game development and and right now I'm trying to focus a bit on entrepreneurship which we will get into maybe later, but trying to fit all those things into a, you know, already full schedule is is definitely difficult. <laughs> Sean, can you maybe share a unique career tip with the audience? Maybe one they they might not know and should know? My career tip would be to anyone doing software development, IT is I suppose a little bit broader, but is to spend time developing games or side projects in general. But but games especially are, I think, a good thing to uh, to spend time on. There's a number of reasons for this, but you know, early in our our career development, um, when we're first learning to programming and stuff, games are often used as a way to just kind of learn and, and adapt. And they have a lot of really good qualities. You know, they're small, they can be built kind of independently, they don't require a lot of infrastructure. Just about every language you can think of has a framework for building games or a, a way to build games. And so after you kind of get through those early years, a lot of people kind of think, well, that was what I did early on, and I'm not going to develop games because there's not really a lot of uh, value in that. But I've come to find that uh, developing games opens you up to a lot of other disciplines and artistic endeavors that you can kind of combine with with software development, which is something that I think is good for the soul and can be very, very good for your career. You know, for instance, uh, if you're into art or music, um, you can kind of incorporate software development with those. If you're into physics or math, if you got, like to geek out about that, but now you're kind of like, you know, writing to a database and reading from a database, your day job and that stuff gets a little bit 
bland or whatnot. Um, you can kind of geek out about those things you used to to geek out about. As far as your career goes, every time that you produce a game, you leave behind an artifact that somebody can actually you know look at and inspect. And the reason why I think games are good in that respect is that one of the hardest things that I've run into with trying to put together side projects to maybe build a profile or a portfolio for your career is coming up with an idea of what to build. So, you know, I, I'm sure that many people out there have sat down and started up a new project and then sat blank faced and just kind of like 10 minutes later, you're looking at cat pictures or something. Yes. <laughs> uh, game development has a, a thing called a game jam. It's kind of like a hackathon where you build it over the weekend and, um, you know, when you're done, you submit what you have and whatnot. And game development, the people that do game development, they've built up a number of these events. There's just tons of them that go on. And those events give you opportunities to force your creativity because they're time boxed. Um, you can kind of schedule them in. They usually have some sort of subject or prompt that'll lead you to actually um, come up with an idea. So it, it helps with getting over that hump of just not knowing what to do. That's a lot of <laughs> a lot of things mixed into that. But um, I just gave a talk uh, recently at, at CodeMash about this um, in Sandusky, Ohio in January. And um, I think that it's probably an underutilized thing within professional software developers. So I don't know a lot about game development, I must admit, but it seems quite different in terms of the mindset of the people who do it and the way they think about solutions. Yeah, yeah, it is, um, which is why one of the reasons that it's actually a very good thing, I think. There's there's some complexities to game development that you don't encounter in normal day job all that often. And so um, challenging yourself with those complex scenarios when you do get into those kinds of things in your day job, there's, there's kind of a correlation there where you've practiced thinking things through. It's very similar, I think, to maybe when you think through, um, if you're to do, I don't know if you're familiar with like Project Euler or something like that, where you've got a, a lot of little tasks, um, almost puzzles, that are complex from an algorithm's perspective. When you work through those, um, you kind of build up a set of strategies and techniques and, and stuff like that. Um, I think game development has a lot of those same qualities. Uh, if you focus on the actual coding side of it more. I like the game technology. I'm actually not too into games, despite being into game dev. Um, I think there's kind of a difference there. It's uh, The way I described it is um, I have a buddy who works in the transportation industry as a software developer, and he's really passionate about what he does. He likes what he does, but he's not really passionate about transportation. There's something about the problems in that space that he likes, and he likes software development. I have that same relationship with games. I, I think they're a great domain for developing because they challenge you in ways that you don't normally get challenged uh, during your day job. So so maybe the underlying root of that is is from a coding perspective, just challenge yourself in ways that, uh, that you're not um, challenged at your day job. Can you maybe tell us about your worst IT career moment and what you learned from that experience? The worst moment I had in my career was probably about two years ago now. Before that, four years ago, I was working at um, my, my f first job out of out of college. Um, I'd been there for a number of years and I was getting very um, tired of it. And there was some politics and stuff that was going on. 
that I just didn't like and culturally it wasn't a good fit for me anymore. And so I, I went out and I pursued a remote job and I landed it and I quit that job and, and went to this this remote job and uh, was was having a great time. And then as soon as I left that other job, the original jobs, a bunch of stuff changed all of a sudden. Um, some of the upper management was left and they reshuffled some stuff. And somebody from that company that I really, really like to work with and that I really respect essentially recruited me back. And, you know, I, I looked at it as well, this, I'll get to go back and do something I really wanted to do there and all that. So I, I took the job back and I left this remote job after I think six months or something. But within maybe a year after that, after the kind of uh, dust settled returning back to the job, I realized that the, the place was, was, was very much, while some of the, the structure and stuff had changed, the actual, um, cultural fit with me and them just wasn't there. And I kind of descended into just kind of not liking where I was and feeling stuck. And um, I would go to to my job and and I would say, okay, I'm going to, you know, really buckle down today. I'm going to work hard on stuff. And just, I couldn't pull myself to do it. So it was just really just a, a bad situation and a mismatch. And it took me a while because my, my, I was in a very, very small town, smaller than the one I'm in now. I couldn't just walk across the street to another employer and say, I'd like to, to start a job here. I either have to find something remote, which is what I had, which I wish I would have kept, <laughs> or I'd have to move. <laughs> and my wife was anchored there, but then it just so happened that um, her job got moved to another city. And so we ended up uh, being able to, I finally was able to leave that place and, and start a job where I am now and haven't really looked back as far as uh, missing it. <laughs> So really the, the, the worst moment or the, the mistake there, the, the, the thing was, you know, I had that feeling like this wasn't a um, good fit for me the first time. And I let myself kind of get drawn back into it. And I've known a number of people that have done this too, from the perspective of they might go out and start looking for other jobs and then they find another job. And then, you know, the company will offer them something else to stay additional, you know, monetary or rewards or or uh, additional vacation or something to try to keep them there. But I think at the heart of it, when, when you find that you and a place no longer fit together, it's best to just cut it and and go forward and, and move on and don't try to get recruited back into it because whatever they offer you might make you feel good for a while. But at the heart of it, there's something there, a reason why you want to move on and leave. And so I think that the lesson is just to, to listen to yourself and understand that if you want to leave a place, that's probably not going to go away. <laughs> so just make the move. So moving away from your worst IT career, maybe you can talk about your IT career highlight and what, what you experienced then. This was a difficult for me to, to think through, but um, I gave this talk at, at CodeMash in January, and it was on, it's called Game Development for the Uninitiated. I was telling the story, which started off to be about, well, you can make money creating games on the side, was was part of it. So eight years ago, I developed a, a game for the um, Xbox Live Indie Games, which was um, Xbox 360. It was the first kind of console to really open up so that any developer could just create a game and actually have their game on a console. And uh, I decided one summer as I was just starting my career, I'm like, you know, hey, this is really cool. I, I, I can build a game. I can sell it. I'm going to get it 
made. So I spent that summer. I skipped some after um, after work uh, festivities and things, and, and I focused on trying to get this game developed. And so I, I did and re- ended up releasing it. And uh, it was kind of a terrible game. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> it just kind of sat. And, um, you know, I collected money on it over the last uh, eight years, but I never actually reached the amount of money that it would take to get a payout. Um, this last year, Microsoft actually shut down the Xbox Live Indie Games part section. My understanding is that at some point in time, when their hamsters catch up, they're going to actually pay us out what it is. So I'll get 45 some odd dollars. And what I think is cool about that is, you know, hey, I built this game and now it's going to buy me a beer, a case of beer or something, you yeah. know? <laughs> so, you know, I, I've made a little money. But what's deeper, what, what was kind of more cool that I didn't realize about that scenario is that so eight years ago, it was closer to the start of my career, but I was doing mostly C and C++ development at the time, um, which is increasingly less marketable. But I used that experience. The The game technology was C Sharp and .NET. And uh, during that experience, that's where I first pushed myself to learn C Sharp, learn a different language. I started to also explore um, design patterns and, you know, I first came to understand command patterns and things like that. And previously that I had done mostly procedural style programming, I started to learn object oriented programming more. And a lot of the concept starts to actually solidify. And so that actually, that experience that I spent, the game was kind of a side effect, but what I really gained out of that experience was this kind of movement towards something that would set a trajectory for my, my entire career that opened up additional doors uh, where, you know, I, there was opportunities. Well, we need somebody who knows .NET in this space. Well, you know, I've done some .NET stuff on the side. Okay, you can fill that in. And that eventually just led into a situation where now I'm doing .NET full time with, you know, other companies or whatnot. So, and through that, that experience, that original game uh, that I made set this trajectory. It it brought me to where I am today. It really brought me to where I am in my career. And now eight years later, it's going to buy me a beer. And I think that's, <laughs> I, I think that when I do get that, that beer or just the idea of it is, is really what I think is one of my, the highlights of my career. So. So I think after eight years, you've earned that beer. Yeah. Yeah. I hope so. Although it was a <laughs> terrible game. So I'm probably just getting pity money. So, <laughs> right. but, but yeah, it did a lot for me. Okay, so moving away from um, career experiences, obviously people listening into the podcast maybe early in their careers, and it'd be useful or good to know what your views on the future of the IT industry and careers in IT is. So one of the things that is kind of exciting that, that I like the idea of, and I haven't read this book, but I think that it captures what my understanding of it is. There's a, there's a book by Eric Dietrich called Developer Hegemony. And uh, like I said, I haven't read it, but I, I was, I've listened to some podcasts where he's talked about the concepts and um, I should probably read it. <laughs> but uh, the idea that developers are going to start to move into a positions where they're and IT professionals are going to be in positions where they're, they're actually kind of leading the conversations and doing analysis more and, and you know, developing solutions as teams and as professionals, units. I'm not sure I'm describing it extremely well, but I had this thought that, you know, the future in IT is that you'll have, as you've seen, people have moved more and more into contracting firms. 
you'll have a few partners that are all software developers or architects, you know, that kind of role. Um, you'll have apprenticeship going through those kinds of things. And uh, they'll be brought into organizations to solve, you know, major problems. This is already going on, but more of it um, in, in the future. So I think if you listen to maybe some of the stuff that Eric Dietrich has has put together on on the topic and maybe read his book, which I should do. <laughs> that kind of stuff I, I'm getting really excited about. So, Okay. And we're going to go into the real round now. Are you ready for this? Sure. Okay. So what first attracted you to a career in IT? So when I was younger, I um, got into computers because a number of friends of mine they did things called LAN parties where they would get together and play games. And uh, as part of that, you know, people would try to beef up their technology, their, their computers or whatnot. So I got into actually the, the computer technology side of it. At that point in time, we would have to network stuff together. It was really a microcosm of, you know, what you see in, a, in an organization. So that got me introduced to computer technology and interested in computer technology. But it didn't really lead me into, uh, I started actually going to school for um, like computer repair or sysadmin type work. And that really didn't interest me too much. So I ended up going into philosophy. And I do have a degree in philosophy aside from computer science, uh, which which is probably not in my, my bio. But during college, though, I, I started going for philosophy. And I sat down and I said, well, what am I going to do for work <laughs> when, when I'm done with this? And so uh, I said, well, I like computers and I, I don't really understand what computer science is, but I'm going to take the intro course to it. And I know that there's jobs in whatever that leads to. Um, and once I got through the the first introductory CS1 course, I got through and I'm like, how is this ever not something I knew about? Like, this is exactly what I want to do. So then it was just no looking back after that. What is the best career advice you've ever received? Beyond career advice, maybe even life advice. When I was doing uh, my podcast, I had a number of guests on, and I can't remember exactly who steered me towards this. It might have been uh, Arthur Doler or Pavneet Sinsan. They're both people that I interviewed um, who I'm sure if we wait long enough, if they haven't been on your podcast already, they probably will be. <laughs> uh, they suggest looking into meditation. At one point, when I mentioned my my biggest career uh, worst moment, at that point in time, I was really struggling with just how to handle the situation of feeling trapped and stuff like that. And they were they were talking about meditation and mindfulness specifically. And I started looking into that and what mindfulness is. And the thing is, it's really recognizing, you know, when you're inner self or your subconscious is, is kind of being allowed, you know, and monoxious and, and telling you, you got to feel anxious or you've got to feel a certain way and recognizing that that happens and being able to rationalize about it. And so I started looking into mindfulness meditation and things like that. And it's kind of evolved into the situation where, where now I'm much more conscious of when I'm feeling, let's say angry, uh, because, you know, maybe, a somebody submitted a pull request with a design that just I think is not great or something like that. Or, you know, I'm feeling like I'm not as good as other speakers or something. And I'm able to capture those those feelings that I'm having and those thoughts I'm having and, and pinpoint them and realize that that's not exactly true and that I can 
rationalize and get over things like fears and, and anger and, and emotions and stuff like that. So if you were to begin your IT career again right now, what would you do? So there's two things I would probably do. The first thing is I would I would probably actually skip out on college, getting the computer science degree um, and just get into programming. Obviously, there's a lot of uh, hurdles you have to overcome when you don't have you know that that credential. Luckily, I went to a, a university that was was very inexpensive relatively in the in the US. So I didn't come out of it with like a lot of debt and stuff like that. Yeah. But I'm I'm realizing that two or three years on the job or just working on side projects gives you a lot more than than what you get out of that. Unless you're in you know endeavoring to get into uh you know university teaching or something like that or you really want to tackle uh, uh certain kinds of problems that require credentials. So that, that's one thing. The second thing I would do is um, immediately start looking into to functional programming, um, which is something that I've become interested in lately, as it seems like most people in development side of things are recently. I think we've all gone long enough where we've we've dealt with things like null reference exceptions and not being explicit about what's returned and uh, trying to handle, like I said, in general nulls and stuff like that. A lot of those problems I, I see just go away with with functional programming and it seems like it's just a, a better way to compose software so and it's on the uh the far end of the adoption curve right now so it's kind of climbing and i think that's if, if i was to do it right now I, I would see that that's where i could probably carve out a niche at this point what career objectives are you currently focusing on from a career perspective not <laughs> a lot um, i'm actually pretty content with where i'm at in terms of my career with software development and stuff like that. Uh, What I am trying to do though, is to get into more entrepreneurial endeavors so that I can say that I'm not dependent on my career or my um, day job type stuff to support my family and and things like that. So if I want to do software development, if I want to, you know, stay with um, the company I'm with, if they go under for whatever reason and, and, you know, and I'm going to have a job, I'd rather be in a situation where I can say, you know, I don't have to go immediately find a job or I can choose to do this stuff or I can take contracts based on interest or something rather than some sort of immediate necessity to just support my family. So my objective is then to become an entrepreneur and make side income. So <laughs> that's what I'm working on right now. And what's the number one non-technical skill that has helped you in your career so far? It's probably a, um, I don't know if I would call it uh, courage or or fearlessness or something like that with regards to doing stuff like getting into public speaking or being on this podcast, for instance. Again, I'm not sure what I would call it, but you know, I, I talk to a lot of people who are very, very nervous about these kinds of things. And, you know, what if I make mistakes or or um I'm not as good as someone else or or whatnot. And I do get those feelings too, but but I don't get hung up by them. Uh, it's not something that's stopped me ever. And so um uh, Whatever you would call that thing, I, I think that's helped me the most. Yeah, it's taking yourself out of your comfort zone, and, it, and it's new experiences, isn't it, really? Yeah, being willing to embrace those new experiences and, and realize that um, you know those are important and, and paramount to your growth and uh, just overall to your happiness and stuff like that. So, Sean, can you maybe share a parting piece of career advice with the IT Career Energizer audience? 
I'd suggest everyone look into developing a uh, mastermind group. And uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with what a mastermind group is, but are you familiar with it? Yes. Yes, go ahead. Yeah. Mastermind groups, I think that the term was coined by um, Napoleon Hill in the early 1900s or whatnot. And uh, essentially, it's finding a a group of like-minded people who are all striving to do something that you actually want to strive to do. And then meeting with those people reg- regularly and holding each other accountable and you know bringing new ideas and, and stuff to each other. There's a common phrase out there that you're kind of the, the average of the six people you spend the most time with. And so um, you know having a mastermind group that is doing the things you, that you want to do and is interested in the stuff that you're kind of interested in, that you can draw on for advice. You know, if you get two people out of your six, that'll certainly elevate you towards what you're actually trying to accomplish. So um, I have one personally, and it's it's been a, a, a very positive thing in my life and um, in my career as a whole. So I belong to a mastermind myself, actually, um, to do with podcasting, believe it or not. Cool. Yeah, I, I, I actually, yeah, it's quarterly and I was there on Monday. So yes, I think masterminds are a great thing. Very useful. Yeah, yeah. I've um, actually Dave Rail and um, a guy named Derek Martin and I are we have ours tomorrow morning actually. So ah, yeah. right, yeah. Okay, and finally, what's the best way we can find out more about you and potentially connect with you? The best way to reach out to me is on Twitter. I'm uh, at Schwani S H W A N Y on Twitter. I do have a blog out there, mylifeforthecode.com four is F-O-R, not the number four. Um, I, I don't blog on that too often anymore. I've kind of uh, refocused in doing um, kind of entrepreneurial endeavors that, that don't involve content creation. So, but occasionally I will post things on there. I'm also on you know LinkedIn and, and uh, Facebook and all the other places. So wherever, wherever you find me, but Twitter is definitely the best place. Sean, thank you so much for joining me in the IT Career Energizer podcast today. It's been great chatting with you. Yes, it's been great. Uh, thank you for this opportunity. My thanks to Sean for being my guest on today's show. You can find full show notes on the website at itcareerenergizer.com slash e66. In next week's episode, I'll be talking with Dan North, originator of behavior-driven development and deliberate discovery. If you haven't done so already, please remember to subscribe to the podcast in iTunes, Stitcher, or whichever streaming service you're using to listen. Thanks again for listening, and remember, if you're not growing your career, you're slowing your career. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to the IT Career Energizer podcast. To find out more about building a successful career in IT, visit itcareerenergizer.com.